Wonderful. So you mentioned that you teach classes and you offer services. Mm -hmm. Tell me um, so I work for an online academy called Training in Power. And uh, I specialize in what we refer to as languaging, which is about how we express ourselves onto the world. And I'm, uh, because I'm a storyteller and uh, I'm kind of an expert in stories and all of my life, I have seen people being trapped in stories. Uh, like it's like people get, get like loops thrown around them of, of who they're supposed to be in a story. It's like they get scripts handed to them and they don't seem to be able to feel like they can say no or that they can break out of them. And so I've been curious about the power of that. And so the, the classes that I teach are about observing how we are impacted by words and by stories and how those can either exalt us or crush us. And how can we recognize when we're being tricked or duped into being involved in a story or cast in a role? And then it gives some meditation tools so that we can sort of step back out of it, get a little bit of perspective, and then have some choice when we go back in. That sounds amazing. So you teach classes on this and you mm -hmm. also do uh, uh, consulting services? Yes, I do. I do spiritual counseling. I have a number of clients. And then um, sort of just as as a fun thing, <laughs> I also do what we would consider to be tarot style readings, but I use Star Trek cards. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah. So, so um, and they're, they're like collector cards from the TV show Star Trek, The Next Generation. So like Picard and Data and all of those guys. And, uh, and so I do sort of in the style of a tarot reading, I do readings with those cards. And, uh, and they're very fun and entertaining. And uh, so I've actually also uh, at gone to psychic fairs and read the crystal ball. Wonderful. So if people have, uh, if they want to make an appointment with you, then they just go to your website or send you an email and set up an appointment. Yeah, they can just pop into that email and they can send me and say, what the heck, Star Trek readings, what are you talking about? Yeah. So tell me about these stories. I want to hear more about the stories um like solstice stories well so we're, we're going to talk about that in a minute i want to talk mm -hmm. about stories like what's an example of a story that someone might get stuck in that that you see a lot well uh say your your friend comes to you and they go oh oh so and so did this to me and they were so in the wrong and what are we gonna do about it and all of a sudden you're cast as an ally in in a drama that you wouldn't necessarily have wanted to do right 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 or um you know real men don't eat quiche women drivers uh you know you name it uh people who you know i've seen so many people who have lived together as a couple for years and years and years and then they decide that they're going to get married and all of a sudden they are locked into the role of husband and wife and they start to fight about those roles and it actually blows their relationship apart. And when they weren't married, they didn't have that problem. But as soon as they step into the marriage and they get locked into these traditional roles of husband and wife, all of a sudden there's problems because of those roles. So, so how would you help someone through something like that? Would you help them retell the story or how does that work? Well, absolutely. You know, in the case of the, the like, welcome to my war, you know, um, it would be, you know, what is your choice here? And in all cases, really, it comes down to what is your choice? What feels right to you? 
Do you feel like you are being empowered by this role or do you feel like you have been trapped and closed in? And are you, are you feeling gripped and enthralled like you have no choice? Then you're, you're having a problem. And so how can we get you to a place where you feel like you have choice? And often that means that the person has to set a boundary, which is a very hard thing for a lot of people to do. So then there's, you know, talking, then we have to talk to them to empower them to realize that they absolutely have the right to make choice. They absolutely have free will as to what stories and what situations they get themselves involved in. That sounds great. Oh, and also, I also encourage people to make sure that they are the main character of their own story. Right. So that they're not a supporting role. Like a lot of people consider themselves to be kind of in a supporting role of other people's lives. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of people choose to go into that position when they parent. It's like, you know, I now am in that situation where the, uh, everything is now for the fostering of this individual so that they can be absolutely the best that they can be when they go out into the world, which is fantastic. Right. But, you know, sometimes they lose themselves in that role. Yeah. So you offer uh, tools and, and uh, resources for them to uh, figure this out for themselves and empower them to make those choices. Yeah. So that and then once they have, you know, kind of figured out how to do that, then then, then it, they can apply that in lots of different places in their world. Mm -hmm. Great. So so let's uh, talk. You have so you have an event coming up. Oh, I have many events coming up. Oh, OK, well, tell us about the events that are coming up. So um, I'm jo I've joined a group on meetups uh, and out of Seattle and Atlanta and one of the other. Anyways, so the Seattle meetups, I will be doing a talk on December, well, a meditation with people on December 13th at one o'clock Pacific time and at six o'clock Pacific time. And that one is specifically for people who are grieving at this time of year, because uh, this is a very difficult time of year to be grieving because everybody's focused on joy and uh, and so people feel very isolated in their grief. Um, and the interesting thing about the energetic of this time of year is it is a descent into darkness. And so people that are grieving are particularly impacted by that that feeling of the sensation of going into that darkness. And so, I want to do a meditation to sort of assist people and like, you know what, you don't have to pretend it's okay. Right. Right. And interestingly enough, uh, something that is becoming quite common is that a lot of churches in various large cities uh, around North America on December 21st, the longest night of the year, many churches offer what they refer to as a longest night ceremony or ritual where people can go to that church and there will be other people there who are grieving and then they can have that sense of community and gathering in a place where they don't have to pretend that they're in joy. Wow. That sounds um, Yeah. So um is so you said it's on meetup so they can just find you on meetup or is there a way to to uh get to that class if, if somebody Yeah, if you go to www.meetup.com seattle-healing-and dash meditation that should hook you up with uh, Julie Butler is the woman that's the host of that. 
Wonderful. And is there a charge for that? Nope. They're absolutely free, these meditations. And there's a whole series there. Uh, lots of wonderful people, pet psychics and, and people doing readings and et cetera, et cetera. And then on the 20th of December, I'll be speaking there again at one and six meditations. But this is about the magic of the return of the light and how to really, really allow yourself to feel the joy of that, the ancient magic of that time of the solstice. So I tried to time that one as close to solstice as possible. Uh, so those are the meetups. On Sunday the 19th, um, I will be doing my talk, which is called The Return of the Light, One Woman's Journey from Christmas Back to Solstice. And it's about a half hour, and it basically traces my kind of uh, conceptual journey of deconstructing Christmas and taking it back down to the ancient magic. And it's very inspirational, and it's very informative. I talk about lots of different cultural traditions, uh, and and really work to sort of weave together for people that realization that the magic of this time of year is for everyone. And uh, so that is at one o'clock on December 19th. And there's a flyer for it on my website, solsticelady.com. And they can contact me again at that email. Shauna B is at Gmail if they're interested in having the Zoom link. And I often will either do a meditation at the end of that or, and I almost always will read a legend from some culture. I don't know which culture this year. Maybe I'll do Amaterasu this year uh, from Japan. You've got a lot of different stuff going on. So um, so they can go to your website, they can send you an email, they mm -hmm. can go to the meetup and then find, about these, find out about these classes. And then on the 21st itself. Okay. I, I traditionally for about 20 years, I have been part of or host of a, a, a multicultural seasonal celebration on Granville Island in Vancouver. Due to the pandemic last year, it was online. And I know that I think they're going to mix it this year. So there is an online portion of it this year, if people would like to join us. And you can find that by going to secretlantern.org, Festival Overview Granville Island. And so that is a society, the Secret Lantern Society is a group that creates these huge festivals uh, and like celebrations for culture, so for people to gather together for culture. And they've been doing the Solstice Festival sometimes in four or five different places at a time in Vancouver on December 21st for over 25 years. Wow. So we're going to take a little respite. Uh, you're listening to True Health with Kassardaline on Lifter Spirits Radio. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with Shauna Bourne and her upcoming Solstice event. Your spirits with me, Dina Marie, on Whidbey Island. I'll be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul. Retreats include a healing session for your body, your mind, and your spirit. You receive a Reiki session plus a chakra reading, experience a labyrinth in the woods, take a walk on the beach, and enjoy downtown Langley with me. Retreats are customized for you or a group of friends. You can visit dina-marie.com to connect with me today. Island time is waiting for you. Are your medical expenses increasing, but your health is not improving? True Health offers unique services where Kassara empowers clients with intuition, education, and proven resources. Better choices can be made when information is available. 
Now's the time to visit TrueHealth.com. That's T-R-U-Health.com. And schedule your appointment to achieve your health goals. Your body will thank you. Are you planning your next move? We know it can be stressful, but at a swift move, you can relax and leave the work to us. You can put your mind at ease that your personal items will be safe throughout the entire moving process. To get a free quote from licensed professionals so you can compare and save, call us at 425-309-0577. That's 425-309-0577. So make your next move a swift one and give us a call. Do you have a hard time letting go, letting go of your stuff? Are you thinking of moving? Maybe you have a house full of things that you no longer want but need help getting rid of it? Call me, Dina Marie, at 425-350-5448. I'll help you go through your past, get rid of it, and move on to a brighter future. That's Dina at dina-marie.com. Reach out to me and lift your spirits. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. The waves bring clarity. It's running through me. You can't take this away from me. The way I hear the melody. Welcome back. You're listening to True Health by Kasara on Lift Your Spirits Radio. And today, again, we're still with Shauna Bourne. So tell the listeners a little bit about you. Is there a cost? All that information. Well, that's the wonderful thing about the multicultural celebration on Granville Island on the 21st is it is absolutely free and anybody can come. And, um, and it's, and the thing that I love about the multiculturalness of it is literally, I had, I had a woman come up to me one day and while I was working there and she said, she said, my culture, we do not celebrate uh, winter solstice. We celebrate Yalda. And I said, oh my God, where do you get a watermelon at this time of year? And, uh, and she started laughing, right? And, uh, you know, and, and Yalda is, uh, is really an interesting celebration because they, they do an all-night vigil. They sit up all night to fend off the forces of darkness and keep a candle or a bonfire burning all night so that they can drive back the forces of darkness, which I think is a really honorable thing to do. And uh, so, so yeah, so, and at this celebration, you know, when it's live, and again, I don't know whether or not it's going to be live this year, but uh, one of the things that is very, very popular is they lay down hundreds and hundreds of candles in an auditorium in the shape of a massive labyrinth. And they invite people to, in a sort of meditative state, walk into and out of the labyrinth. It takes about 20 minutes. That's how large it is. Uh, so that's an incredibly popular feature. And when we when we have the it online, they show that and they actually have somebody do a virtual walkthrough so that you can do a walkthrough kind of on your own. Um, there's a fellow named Bill Bernyeet that comes and he has a portable planetarium, which is inflatable. And you climb into it and he does a little a little planetarium show that explains to you what's going on in the sky and what is the big deal about solstice. And, and a lot of people really don't understand uh, what's happening at that time of year. Um, sort of, if you were to, to stand in the same place every day and observe the sun as it rises and sets, you would see that it moves kind of in a northerly direction as it goes along the horizon at this, you know, over the course of the year. Right. But at the end of December, 
it stops moving along the horizon and it stands and stays in the same place for five or six days and it rises and sets lower and lower every single day. Wow. So the ancient people who were watching the sun in order to know when to plant and when to harvest and what was going on, they were basically seeing the sun disappear from the sky. It must have been really terrifying for them. <laughs> exactly. And so their, their, their storytellers, their shaman made up legends to explain what was going on and created rituals in order to assist the sun or to call the sun back. And, and, and those rituals, a lot of those are incredibly common, like uh, the festooning of the house with greenery, uh, with the evergreen is extremely common. Uh, and, uh, and one of the other common things is lighting fire, you know, bonfires, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the ancient Norse used to take huge wagon wheels and set them on fire and roll them down the sides of their mountains. And you'd be able to see that for miles, these rolling wheels of fire pouring down the sides of these mountains. And, uh, and so I just find it incredibly exciting. In fact, the word solstice means sun standing still. And so the thing that excites me about all of this is that, you know, even before these ancient people knew that there were pockets of light, before that the Norse knew that the Zuni existed or that the Sami existed, they were all performing the same magical spell at the same time. So this is, this is the most ancient magic that the human race has. This is the most ancient spell and every culture through it. And that's why this time of year is so magical for me. And that's why it remains such a magical time is because humans have been pouring magic into this time of year for millennia. So what do you recommend for people who have a hard time with Christmas or these holidays that are coming? <laughs> well, it depends on the person. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a lot of different ways. Like I have, I have a very dear friend who just despises Christmas. So I've actually been advising him for some time that what he needs to do is he needs to join a Krampus walk. And so the Krampus is uh, the companion of St. Nick. And so St. Nick used to go out and he would reward the good children. And the Krampus would take the bad children away and beat them with birch sticks. And the Krampus is like a big, scary, like crooked legged, horned kind of monster creature. And on the 5th of January, Krampus night in Europe, uh, in Bavaria and other places like that, they have the Krampus walk where all kinds of people dress up like this big, scary creature. And they have a massive parade where they go around scaring the children. And so if you hate Christmas, go be a Krampus, right? Put on your mask, go like, oh, Christmas, right? <laughs> right? Do that, right? And so, so for some people, but for other people, I suggest, you know, we, we have this, this avarice that comes up at this time of year where it's like, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? And when we don't get, we feel unloved, you know, or they didn't get me anything expensive. They only got me something that was worth $10. And so we, we have this way that we gauge our worth by what we receive at this time of year. And right. so if you have that problem or that blockage, I suggest that you go out and give. 
I suggest that you go to a shelter and and feed people and and understand that, that that it's about community. It's about being together. It's about that oneness of humanity gathering against the darkness. Um, you know, so again, I, it depends on the person. You know, on how they're impacted on 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 what part of their soul feels shadowed at this time of year. How do we bring light to that part of their soul? So we don't really recommend scaring children. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to understand that anybody that would go to a Krampus parade right. is well aware that this is what right. is going to happen. We're not aware of that here. So what would be something they could do? <laughs> like actually, your- actually, Seattle has had a Krampus walk. Oh, they really have. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it's starting to become uh, starting to become something that's being done in North America. That's fascinating. Uh, Look that um, up. Any events in the area? And how yeah. do you Krampus? K R A M. P-U-S. Krampus. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, you know, mainly the thing I, I advise for people, if they're, if they're capable of it, and some people really aren't because of the wounding that they have around this time of year, is to the best of your ability, go out and be kind to another human being. You know, it, this is the time of year when people's souls and the world itself is being plunged into this darkness and we fight and we struggle and we go no no it's going to be the light we're going to be the light we're going to be a light so go out there find somebody who's been driven to darkness and return light to them somehow right even just by smiling at them even just by being kind to them and you will find your own soul lightened by your choice to lighten others awesome now you had talked about um in the past uh, on the archaeological sites and rituals and things like that. Um, Can you spend a little more time talking about some of that? Well, you know, you'd have to, uh, so the ancient astrologers, you know, once they realized that the the year was not lunar, i.e. 360 days, Mm -hmm. and they realized that it was actually 365 days once they started tracking the sun, um, they needed to be able to figure out how to know where the sun was at at any given time. And so we have all kinds of ancient archaeology around the planet that does this. And there's three different ways that uh, that the ancient archaeologists or the ancient uh, sun watchers uh, and uh, would do this. And so one of the ways that they did it was by creating some sort of earthwork or some sort of stone formation uh, with that had like a an object that would be like the gnomon of a sundial. Mm-hmm. So Stonehenge is is one of these. There's a you know there at during at sunrise on winter solstice the sun rises in the center of one of those sort of pillars. So it comes up straight through the center of it, and it's incredibly epic. And there's a similar structure, not a whole wheel, but a sort of a lintel sort of doorway in. Uh, um, it's called Hawamonga. Oh, it's it's on Tonga. It's the island of Tonga. There's Gothic Circle in Germany. They're all over the world. Okay. Uh, and the second method was they would that people would build some kind of a structure or a building, and they would put an aperture in it that allowed a single beam of sunlight to shine on a particular place. Uh, and so the most famous of those is called Newgrange in Ireland, and it's prehistoric structure. And there's, uh, there's a, 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 an 80 foot 
sort of strip that, that a beam of light goes down and then it shines into a chamber in the center and it illuminates the back wall for about 20 minutes on winter solstice. They actually have a lottery in Ireland for people to be able to go and stand on this place where their prehistoric ancestors stood to watch this. I can't, I can't even imagine how amazing that would be. Yeah. Anyways, the third method that they used was to stand in a particular place every day and mark the positioning of the sun. Uh, and so uh, in the, uh, the, the last standing place for that, for the, uh, for the Aztecs, no, I'm not thinking of the Aztecs, I'm thinking of uh, in Peru, on Machu Picchu, you know, when the Spanish came and they destroyed everything, one of the things that they destroyed was they destroyed all of the hitching posts of the sun. And so uh, in Peru, what they would do is they would do a ritual to call the sun back. And then the holy being, the holy person would sort of hitch the sun to, uh, to one of these intihuantanas, which were the hitching posts of the sun. And when the Spanish came, they destroyed all of them but there is one left in Machu Picchu. Wow. Uh, in the Zuni tribe, they had a, their Pequin or their sun watcher would uh, stand in a particular spot every day. And when the sun hit a particular place on the mountains, they knew it was time for Soyal, which is their celebration to call back the Kachinas from the sacred mountain. And when the Kachinas return from the sacred mountain, they bring fertility, they bring, uh, they basically bring spring, they bring all of the animals, they bring everything back. Uh, and so, you know, so there, it was very important and, uh, and done all around the world. And uh, if you go to my website, you'll see I've, I've got, uh, you know, maybe 10 or so of them there, of different kinds with these three different styles. Um, and find us that website again? Solstice yeah. So, um, so you have some events coming up, the grieving one, the solstice one, there's events on meetup, and then uh, you teach classes, and you can do one on one uh, time with people as well. Mm -hmm. So you're a busy lady. Yeah. <laughs> well, we rise by service. That's right. That's right. So um, I wanted to hear more about because you're really fascinating as far as language. I just uh, the whole I just find that so interesting because there's so many different languages and I think people get lost in language a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and like you talked about earlier about things they think they're supposed to say. And um, I know I try to pay attention to when people say things and how they say it to me and what are they really trying to say? You know, are they just saying it because they're used to saying that phrase or whatever? Or, you know, and so I've been asking, I noticed myself lately asking, what, what are you saying? What are you really trying to say? Um, and, and it catches people off guard. Mm -hmm. um, but I was hoping you could spend a little time talking about language because you have so much information on language. Well, uh, oh goodness, it's a, you know, certainly it's a very complicated issue. And, um, you know, there are people who are extremely deft and capable of manipulating syllables and uh, of, you know, drawing the, the, the words that they need, you know, the silver-tongued, uh, as we call them. 
And, and then there are people who are absolutely tongue-tied and cannot. So for instance, you were saying, you know, when, when you say to somebody like, what the hell are you talking about? And why are you saying it? Right. Is it's like, are they, are they coming from a place of deception or really is it just that they do not have a strong facility with language? You know, am, are you actually trying to trick me or really are you, you just not really good at, at communicating what you're trying to say? I mean, I remember a friend of mine started telling me a story and she was so unable to identify the different people in the story that I was confused five minutes into the story. I actually started laughing because I couldn't believe how incapable she was of telling a story. I mean, I thought that was just something that was a human capability, but it's, it's not. Right. right. Well, it's kind of like telling a joke. I think some people know how to tell a joke and some people don't know how to tell a joke. I think there's, <laughs> there's timing and all that, but I think there's timing and language and the phrasing as well. Well, that's, you know, the big Steve Martin joke, you know, the secret, to, the secret to humor is all in timing, right? And <laughs> he's, uh, so, um, you know, what would I say about it? It, uh, you know, so many people, because they are surrounded, or they have somebody around them that is capable of language and is capable of manipulating people with language, they learn to distrust it. Yes. And they, you know, and I, you know, to me, it's an art form. And, and so, uh, so I do my best to be able to wield it uh, to the best of my abilities and uh, to, you know, to use like, a, like, there are people out there that only have a vocabulary of about 2000 words. Yeah. Man, I can't even imagine. <laughs> Great. So um, let's see, this is Kassara Deline and I'm from True Health and we're going to take a little respite here and we'll be back with Shauna listening to Lift Your Spirits Radio. Our Energy Matters Tip of the Week with Dina Marie. Give yourself a gift and the ones you love this holiday season by not buying stuff. You could give massages, locally handmade crafted goods. You could, especially buy local, but really most importantly is giving your time. You could donate and give that through someone else's name. But really, I think experiences are more important than anything else we do. So buying something that you could do with your family and taking them along for the ride and not going home with a bunch of stuff or having to put stuff in the garbage after the fact is super important these days. So give yourself a gift by giving your time or a gift certificate to someone you love this holiday season. Save a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of stress, and stay out of the balls. That's the Our Energy Matters Tip of the Week with Dina Marie. Do you feel stressed, exhausted, or burned out? Would you like to identify your unique warning signs and know what to do? Are you ready to learn how to calm your system and increase your energy so you are healthier, happier, and more productive? Learn from an expert. I transform my life from burnout to bliss, and you can too. Go to MarlaWilliams.net, click on Learn, and sign up for my Burnout Prevention Formula course and move from burnout to bliss in just six weeks or less. Are you looking for a realtor? Rebecca Sayer from Infinity Real Estate and Development in Seattle is a real estate broker with a passion for helping people with an enjoyable and successful home buying experience. 
Infinity is focused on empowering positive futures for each of our clients as well as the community. With a deep local knowledge in green and sustainable properties and housing models, Rebecca is committed to connecting people with the right property. She can help you access a home that will increase your quality of life, reduce electromagnetic and toxic product exposure, plus your carbon footprint. Rebecca serves on the Northwest Eco Building Guild's Education Committee, where she is helping develop a series of courses for people who have an interest in living more sustainably, be it in a home or an apartment, through classes that share the tricks, tools, and resources available. To connect with an agent that serves you and your community, reach out to Rebecca at Rebecca at InfinityRed.com today. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 AM KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries, you can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. The waves bring clarity. It's running through me. You can't take this away from me. Welcome back. You're listening to True Health by Kassara on Lift Your Spirits Radio. And uh, as a reminder, you can reach me at truehealth.com. That's www.truhealth.com. And I offer health services and meditation classes and health classes. And um, there's a lot of free information on my website that you can access and uh, look forward to hearing from you. If you'd like to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. And today, again, we're still with Shauna Bourne, and she's up in Vancouver, Canada area. And she's been talking to us about the solstice and about uh, re looking at Christmas in a different way. And we've been talking about language. And she's going to tell us, um, what, you, what were you going to tell us, a myth or a story? Did you have to prepare for it? Well, you know, one of the things that I was mentioning earlier was to sort of this, there's common things that different cultures do, uh, you know, and, uh, and one of the things that they have done for a long time is to bring greenery indoors, uh, wreaths, indoor trees, uh, you know, festooning the house with boughs of holly. And, and the reason that they do that, uh, in, in some of it, it's to bring the magic of the, because those trees that stay green during that barren time of summer seem very magical to them. So they wanted to bring that magic of that evergreenness into their homes. Uh, and, uh, and the Cherokee have a legend regarding these plants. When the plants and the trees were first created, they were told that they had to stay awake for seven days and seven nights. And the first night, no problem. Second night, no problem. But like by the third and the fourth night, some of the small plants and some of the shrubberies had started to fall asleep. And by the seventh night and the dawning of the eighth day, the only plants that remained awake were the cedar, the pine, the spruce, the fir, the hemlock, the laurel, and the holly. Yeah. So they were given the gift that all of the other plants and trees would lose their leaves and sleep for the winter, 
but those plants would never lose their leaves. So they would be given the honor of providing shelter to the birds and the animals during the harshest year, time of the year. And they would be the reminder to people that even during the dark, something remains. And, uh, so anyways, I just love these things. I spend my entire December researching these solstice stories and finding these 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 tales and uh, and I'm so delighted. I'm just like a little kid whenever I find a new one. And one of the fascinating things, uh, so the, in the Celtic lands, they they have a tradition of the Oak King and the Holly King. And so the great throne, there can only be one on the throne at a time. So at this time of year, obviously the Holly King is fully ensconced. But on winter solstice, the Oak King will rise and he will behead the Holly King and then he will take the seat. And both of those kings have a companion bird. So the companion bird of the Holly King is the Wren and the companion bird of the Oak King is the Robin. And so it used to be traditional in sort of in the Northern UK to hunt the wren on December 26th. People would literally go out and they would kill wrens in order to drive back the Holly King because he's already been killed and now we're driving back the power of his magic, right? By killing his companion bird. And this is the reason that the, the sight of the robin is the sign of spring. Right. Because the robin is the companion bird of the oak king. Amazing. Right? I just love finding out these things. It's like, oh, that's why the robin is the, you know, and, and so this is the kind of stuff that just gets me so excited. <laughs> like, oh, that's why. That's great. That's great. And, so, uh, no, go ahead. I, I just want, I just want to hear more stories. I want to hear more, more information from you on, because uh, I know you just have. <laughs> well, there was. There was one, I actually got into trouble for telling this one. I was, I was doing storytelling. There was a, um, like a gathering of people that were putting together masks and headdresses for the solstice celebration. And they had me in the background on a microphone, just sort of telling myths and legends. And I actually, one of the women got mad at me for telling this story because she felt it was too violent for the children that were present. But I'm like, do you, have you raised a child? Like they love this stuff, right? <laughs> Anyways. Um, so it, this one's from Polynesia, okay. uh, the ancient Polynesians. In, in ancient times, the sun rushed through the skies so quickly that people barely had any, been enough time to get their boats out into the water and start fishing, and the sun was already setting. And uh, you know when you see the sun and it's coming in through the clouds and there's like those long beams of light that are coming down? Mm. The Polynesians considered those to be the legs of the sun. That's actually what the sun walked on, uh, mm -hmm. were those beams of light. That's and so I know, isn't that neat? Anyways, so their god Maui, uh, he was, you know, he was a kind of a problematic, he was a demigod, I guess, because he was born uh, as a human. He was adopted by the gods and they raised him as their own, but he was nothing but mischief and trouble. And he, you know, he raised islands out of the oceans. He taught the humans how to coax fire out of wood. He was just trouble. He threw all of the sky up above the mountains. He, he just, he, he really messed with their creation. 
Anyways, he decided that he would go out and he would have a chat with the sun because the sun needed to stay in the sky for a little bit longer. So he was, it was suggested that he go and find the woman who cooked breakfast for the sun, who happened to be his grandmother. So he found his grandmother and, you know, told him, told what the plan was. And so she's like, okay, you're going to need a net and you're going to need a club. And then he got two of his brothers who were none too pleased about this uh, to help him. So he hid in a tree and he waited until the sun came. And then he put a net around the sun and trapped the sun in the tree. And then he like braved the heat of the sun and he went in and he broke eight of the sun's 16 legs with a club. Oh my gosh. So in the summer, when the sun is moving fast across the sky, it's on its good legs. But in the winter, when the sun is moving more slowly, it's walking on its broken legs. And we have Maui to thank for that. <laughs> so yeah, this woman was like, why are you talking about kids? You know, th th these are kids here, you know? And it's like, honey, have you ever seen Bugs Bunny? <laughs> <laughs> or Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> well, now and every time I look at the sun now and I see those legs, I'm going to think of this story. That's so cool. <laughs> I know. I know. I, whenever I see those, I think that they're legs. And that's like, you can, you can see that. You can see, yeah. of course, they're legs. Why wouldn't somebody think that those were legs? I, but I never thought about it that way before. So. I know. That's what I love about mythology. It's like, you know, you get to see how the ancient people saw things a little bit. Yeah, well, and there's just so much to me. There's so much depth and and uh, and magic, and um, I don't know. It just brings a whole a different meaning to things than just looking at the sun. <laughs> well, or, or the there's an ancient Chinese myth, uh, and I know they're on the more on the southern hemisphere, but they do celebrate solstice as well, just not at the same time. Anyways, there's a Chinese myth to explain. It explains the axial tilt. Uh, and because the reason that we experience solstice to begin with is because the sun is on a slight tilt. Right. And or the earth is on a slight tilt. And so as we go around the sun, we're not always facing it in the same way. And so this myth was how the, the Chinese explained the the axial tilt. Uh, Gong Gong, the god of floods, he was a huge black serpent, and he had the face and the head of a red headed man poor redheads, they always get dinged. Anyways, uh, he was equal parts cruel, stupid, and ambitious, a trifecta of villainy. Uh, and he was very dissatisfied with the heavenly court. And so he tried to overthrow it. And uh, he had a group of supporting gods, but it, you know, there was a big war and it didn't go well. And eventually Gong Gong tries to retreat from the emperor of heaven. And he's basically being pushed farther and farther northwest. He's wounded. He's been defeated. And when he arrives at the mountains, he headbutts Mount Bujo, which is the mighty pillar that supports the northeast, northeast direction of the sky. So he's, he's so mad. He's like, oh, bam. <laughs> and it actually cracks that cornerstone, the cornerstone of the heavens shifts its alignment. And the sky then all tilts northwest and it forces the land southeast and all of the, all of the water in China travels in that direction. So it's again, a, a reason and a, a myth explaining that, right? So on the earth, there's tremendous flooding, people fleeing for their lives, the heaven, the sun and the moon all knocked out of balance. 
And their creator goddess, Naukua, saw the plight and she returned from the heavens to mend the creation. Uh, she was able to repair the pillar, but she was never able to really compensate for the alignment of the sky, which is why we experience the solstices and the equinoxes. And this is why all the rivers flow southeast in China and the stars travel northwest. Fascinating. Yeah, you wonder, you wonder how they came up with all these, these stories, though. Well, and this is, you know, we, we are not aware of how sophisticated the, astro the astronomy of some of these ancient cultures were. You know, certainly, you know, the, the Chinese, the, 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 you know, the Syrians, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the, the Magi, right? Mm. They, they, were, they were very sophisticated astrologers uh, and uh, astronomers. I got to make sure I get that correct. They were very sophisticated <laughs> astronomers and mm. they watched the skies very carefully because they knew that what happened in the skies affected what happened on the earth. And if they were going to have any control over what was going on on the earth, they had to be able to read what was going on in the skies. Yeah. There's a lot of information up there. You wonder though, you know, I mean, when it's when it's um, sunny out, it's easy for them. But what did they do when it was all rainy and cloudy? They couldn't see anything. I mean, they didn't have the Hubble telescope up there to, to see things, you know? Well, yes, I suppose they had to just use their imaginations at that point. And that's, a, that's like a whole other discussion about how the Vikings discovered how to travel west. <laughs> but uh you know, and when I think about it, because when you do, when you look up into that sky, it's so majestic. And uh, the Hungarians, when they look up in, well, the ancient Hungarians, a lot of Hungarians aren't aware of their, you know, a lot of people aren't aware of their ancient mythology. Anyways, so the ancient Hungarians, when they looked up into the night sky and they saw, you know, that beautiful, huge strip of stars that we refer to as the Milky Way, they saw that as a massive stag. It's quite mind blowing to do it if you like walk outside and look at it. And, and for them, every single star in the sky was a candle burning at the end of one of the antlers of this massive stag. I would attempt to pronounce the name of the stag, but it is way out of my uh, way out of my pronunciation skill. It's got many, many letters in it. And so this miracle stag and for them, this stag, it's its purpose on December 21st, it takes the new sun in its horns and it carries the new sun across the river and it delivers it to the new year. Oh, how beautiful is that? I know. So sometimes when I go outside at night during that time of year and I look up at the Milky Way, I imagine that huge, massive, magnificent stag with the sun in its, and, and, uh, and they talk about the, the flames at the ends of the horn. They are they are fires that are never lit and never put out. Oh, that's amazing how they came up with some of these things. But yeah, I mean, I, it's just like all the other ones you were mentioning. You can see how that, like the legs on the sun. I mean, you, you can totally imagine those things. And um, yeah, and of course, you know, as a, as a hunting culture, you know, they would, they would see the symbology of the, the main animal that they hunted. Right, right, right. Right. And uh, so, and that's the lovely thing because everybody's got the magic, but then they translate the magic through their culture, through their DNA, through their mythological system, and they make it work for them. But, but it arrives at the same place of we need to help the sun. 
Yeah. Well, I find it interesting too, how, you know, they obviously had these stories in ancient times and they passed those down. And today we still have the stories, but they're different. I mean, obviously the language has changed, the times have changed, the whole environment's changed. And so like you were talking about bringing in the, the trees, we still obviously do that for Christmas, but I don't think people realize why they do that. You know, they don't, I mean, they just do it because everybody else does it, right? That's what Christmas is, quote unquote, right? Absolutely. And so I take like a snickering sort of secret joy when I see all of the lights going on and I go, oh, they're calling back the sun. Right. And, uh, and, and uh, to me, it unifies the, the season, you know, to, to recognize that, that yes, the Christians are doing that, but the Syrians are also doing that, right? The, you know, the Bushmen of Africa also do that. The Sami in Scandinavia also do that. And, and it takes away the separation between all of the cultures. And it brings me right back to that human consciousness of we want the light we want the sun and and we will you know we do this annual magic every year to draw the sun back and and it's i don't know that to me that's the magic of the season i mean you know it's like just imagine you know there they all were you've got your Sami people painting the doorways of their homes with butter to fortify the reindeer for the sun goddess Bewe, who not only returns the sun, but also brings sanity back to people that have been driven low by darkness. The Hopi are doing their performances and their ceremony to draw the Kachinas back from the sacred mountain. The Norse are rolling wagon wheels down the mountains. The Druids are meeting in New Grange. Crowds are gathering at Stonehenge. I mean, all over the Northern Hemisphere, they're all doing the same thing. And, and that is what I love about doing the multicultural festival because I feel like it's a recreation of that. I have people from all different cultures, all different belief systems, all gathering together to light a flame to call back the sun. Yeah, that's beautiful. So when people, if people do have a hard time with Christmas, they can think about all the light and all the greenery and um, calling back the sun, which is bigger than all of us. I mean, that whole um, concept, you know, I think that's a beautiful thing. It's the most ancient human spell that's ever been thrown. Wonderful, wonderful. So remind us again, uh, Shauna, how people can get a hold of you. You can email my website at B is at gmail.com. And that is S-H-A-U-G-H-N-A-B-I-S at gmail.com. Check me out. Uh, that's, you can get the link on my solsticelady.com website. And uh, I hope that you find something interesting there. It's, a, it's been a, a labor of love to put it together. You have a lot of great information out there. And thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. I really loved all the information and the stories. You're listening to True Health by Kasara on Lift Your Spirits Radio. And you can reach me, Kasara, at truehealth.com. That's T-R-U-Health.com. Thank you so much for joining us much this month. And we hope to see you again next month. Maybe with more music from my son, Dean Foster. Suddenly, time has passed. It's gone by too fast Who'd have guessed That we'd end up here But I'm glad you're here 
there's a voice inside my head that recites.